Hi and welcome to Influencer Marketing Talks, brought to you by Cure Media, the leading influencer marketing company for fashion brands. This is your weekly podcast to learn more about influencer marketing and social media in right around 15 minutes. I'm Frida Ekholm. And I'm Sanna Oudmark. And in this week's episode, we're going to talk about micro-influencers and why bigger isn't always better. Lately, more and more brands are shifting from working mainly with bigger influencers with hundreds of thousands of followers to working more and more with micro-influencers. If you read a recent trend report on what's happening in social media and influencer marketing, I can almost guarantee that micro-influencers will be mentioned as one of the big trends. But for us at Cure Media, this is definitely not a trend, but something that we have been doing for many years working with micro and mid-science influencers. So let's start from the beginning. And we're going to walk you through why micro-influencers have risen within the industry, the strengths of including them in your strategy, and some tips about using them in your own campaigns. Yes, we are. So just to make sure we are on the same page, I think we can answer what is a micro-influencer. So Frida, what would you say? I would say that a micro-influencer has many definitions, but according to us at Cure Media, micro-influencers are defined as people with 5,000 to 50,000 followers. Thereafter comes mid-size influencers. And before that, nano-influencers. And after mid-size, there are mega or celebrity influencers with hundreds of thousands of followers. Or even millions. Do you, do you know who has the most followers on Instagram? Yeah, Just I a think, sidetrack. Yeah, I think it's Instagram. Yeah, it's Instagram themselves. Yeah, right? their own account. Yeah, and after that comes... Cristiano Ronaldo. Yes. <laughs> so he's, he's a mega, huge celebrity, I don't know, star influencer. Yeah. But what is important here is not the exact numbers of followers. It's more important in terms of how these people or profiles, influencers, differ from regular influencers. And that is what this episode will be about. So Sana, what are the biggest differences then? And also, what what are the advantages of working with micro-influencers? To summarize, you can say that what micro-influencers lack in numbers of followers, they make up for in the relationship to their followers, engagement, authenticity and the value they bring. So we will go through each and every of these four. So let's start with the relationship aspect. You can say that with fewer followers, it's easier to connect and to interact with the audience. You have the ability and the possibility and the time to have a dialogue rather than a monologue. A micro-influencer have the time and ability to answer comments and really get to know their audience. For example, to listen to their needs and wants, what content they want to see more of. Yeah, for sure. They can really create this girl or boy next door effect. So that we feel when we follow a micro-influencer that this is someone we know, which makes it easier for us to relate. And this is not possible in too big scale with thousands of comments that the bigger influencers have. Exactly. How can brands use this as an advantage when working with influencer marketing? 
By working with the right micro-influencers who have a really strong bond to their audience, you as a brand can easily tap into this relationship as well. However, it's very important when you work with micro-influencers to work with them over a longer period of time. Influencers have spent years building up this strong relationship that you're talking about, Sana. And you can't just do a single collaboration and believe that is enough. No, that's not how these micro-influencers got big by posting a post every now and then. But the reason why they are so uh, successful in their field is because they have this ongoing dialogue with their followers that they listen and take in what they have to say and adjust their content in line with that. So you as a brand should think in the same way. Just like the influencers, you as a brand also need to spend time building up this relationship to your audience through these influencers. And that's what we call an always-on approach. The next thing that differs micro-influencers from celebrity influencers is their engagement. And this close relationship with their audience, as you said, results in very high engagement. So in general, as a rule of thumb, the more followers you have on social media, the more your engagement drops off. Yeah, and I mean, that makes sense. It's, of course, more difficult to manage a community and to, as you mentioned before, Frida, to answer comments and to have a dialogue when you have like one million followers compared to maybe 10,000 because there are only 24 hours a day. The unique thing about micro-influencers is that they are in the sweet spot of having enough followers to attract brands, but few enough to manage their social community with a personal touch. And this, in turn, gives higher engagement. Yes, relationship equals high engagement. It's just to go back to your own personal Instagram feed and watch who you like the most and which pictures you comment it's probably people that you feel close to and that you have a relationship to no matter if it's a friend or or an influencer that you follow fun fact is that you can actually go to your instagram account and see which accounts you interact the most with and which account you interact the least with hmm yeah that's interesting and maybe stop following the ones that you don't interact with at all yeah Moving on to the third thing that differs micro-influencers from more traditional influencers, and that is authenticity. And as you all probably know, one of the keys to successful influencer marketing is the ability to create authenticity. And when it comes to micro-influencers, their audience trusts their voice and their content because they are real human beings. They are just like you and me. And micro-influencers don't have the fame and gloss that celebrity influencers do. They do not walk on the red carpet and have a stylist no. for every official occasion. Uh, they are real people who we can relate with. Yeah, they have, as you say, ordinary lives. They drop children off at school. They struggle to cook healthy food after a long day at work or in school. And when they say something... We listen because we are like them and we want to, uh, yeah, we can agree on what they say and hear them really on a personal level. And of course, celebrity influencers can have the exact same struggles because we're all human. 
but they might not show it at the same extent as smaller influencers. No, they have a bit more of a filtered life many times. The bigger celebrity influencers become more like brands yeah, than persons. Definitely, especially today when when many influencers actually are brands and have product lines and collections in their names. So they have much more regulations to adhere to, probably. So Frida, what would you say, since they are so good at having this authenticity and to make things real, what does this mean for brands? They are really good at building credibility because people trust what they have to say. Yeah, since they are experts often within a specific field. And if you've listened to our previous episodes, you know that this ability to build trust is one of the strengths of influence marketing when done right. The fourth thing that differs micro-influencers from bigger influencers is value. Value is a great word, but what do we mean by that in this setting? It means that as soon as an influencer starts to get very famous, their followers also start to vary more. In terms of, for example, geographies, interests, demographics, and this will make it harder for you as a brand to reach your exact target audience. For sure. So if you look at a big account with hundred thousands of followers, many of these followers probably follow this influencer because of who they are for their name. Either they are famous for something else from the beginning, maybe they are a famous football player like Cristiano Ronaldo, who we mentioned before. Maybe they are a singer, an actor, or they are just influencers with hundreds of thousands of followers who have become celebrities through that. Do you have a good example of that? Yeah, so let's take one of this time's biggest influencers, Kim Kardashian. So I would assume that a lot of her followers don't follow her because they are interested in her beauty brand and makeup and skincare. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But because they have watched the show and think she's the whole family is fun to follow and they have a cool life. But as a beauty brand, it's probably more efficient to work with many smaller micro-influencers who have followers who follow them because they are experts within makeup and skincare. Take our colleague Julia, for example. She has an Instagram account around skincare and makeup and beauty. And a majority of the followers who follow her follow her because of what she has to say about that specific field. She's a pro. She is, for sure. So instead of having lots of followers spread out across the world in different countries and different cultures, micro-influencers are powerful voices in their niche markets, such as, you said, interior, fitness, fashion, or something completely else. Yeah. The important thing is that micro-influencers can retain almost a 100% focused fan base who look up to them and follow them because they are experts in their specific field. For sure. But what does this mean for brands? It's easier, of course, to tap into the exact right audience 
And you can compare this to having, for example, an advert in New York Times with a, a very broad audience. It's very hard if you are, for example. So you can compare this to having, for example, an advert in New York Times, which is a very broad magazine with a broad audience. You will reach a lot of people, but you also know that a lot of people who read this is not in your target audience, which is a waste of money because it's quite expensive. So in this way, it's more cost efficient to have an advert in a smaller, more focused industry magazine where you know your target group is, even if it's not as many readers. It's relevant reach. And before we're finishing up this episode, Frida, what would you say are some other things to take into consideration when working with micro-influencers? As we mentioned before, always on is an approach you need to have. And that means that you can work with different micro-influencers, but you work with many more than if you would work with celebrity influencers or bigger influencers. Exactly. And I mean... It's hard for for a brand also to afford working with like 30 celebrity influencers at the same time. And it will also be um, very spread out. Um, When you work with micro-influencers, you can instead work with many because they cost, of course, less. And when you work with hundreds of influencers per month, you can continuously fine-tune the result and learn along the way optimize your influencer marketing strategy. Definitely. You can see which influencers perform in line with your goals, in line with your set KPIs, and adjust that month by month to make sure that you have the strongest set of micro-influencers. One of the keys that I also want to mention is to work with the channel over a longer period of time. First, then you will be able to measure, evaluate and optimize the results. Yeah, this can never be said too many times. Of course, you don't always have to make a choice between micro-influencers and what we call traditional regular influencers with bigger audiences. You can also work with a mix of them. For example, you can have a couple of micro-influencers as part of your always-on strategy that you work, as you said, Frida, over the longer period of time with. That's your foundation of the strategy. It's a bonfire that never burns out and that should never stop. Then you can work with a bigger influencer at selected occasions. Someone you really want to be associated with from a branding point of view. For example, when you enter a new market or launch a new collection. Like fireworks on the sky that puts a sparkle on your always on strategy. But I think the problem today is that many brands still only do the fireworks. And with this, we mean they have a short-term effect. It's like this wow feeling when the fireworks are on, but then two minutes later, yeah, they're gone. They can be the talk of the town for a short time. But what makes you stand out from the crowd and what makes you build trust in your audience in the longer term, that is working with micro-influencers in an always-on manner. And this takes us to the end of another episode of Influencer Marketing Talks. Make sure you follow us on our social media platforms at Cure Media to continue the conversation there. Also, if you like the podcast, give us a rating in Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app.